Hello, listeners, and welcome to the NK News podcast. I'm your host, Jacko Zwetslut, and today it's the evening of Friday, the 17th of September in Seoul, and the morning of the same day in the United States, where I'm joined by today's guest, Michael Takeuchi, to talk about the United Nations panel of experts and other related topics. Before I introduce Michael properly, I need to explain something. We were hoping to have an Ask Me Anything episode for number 201, but we have had to delay that because of circumstances, but we will record it soon. So it just gives you more time to send in your questions to me, Chad, Jongmin, Colin, Wongi, Chewon, Andre Lankov, Peter Ward, and Gabby, the producer. All the things you wanted to ask about North Korea or the podcast or NK News, but were afraid to ask. Next, I'd like to ask all of you listeners, please, to rate, review, and reshare this podcast episode. I was looking up the viewership numbers for Joe Rogan's podcast recently, and frankly, I'm quite jealous. He gets over a million and a half views, even for his least popular episodes. I would love to have just 10% of his audience, and you can help us achieve that by sharing the podcast and telling people about it. Also, if you haven't already, go to our website, nknews.org, and think about becoming a paid subscriber. Paid subscriptions help to keep NK News going to provide the best in North Korea-focused journalism day after day. Finally, visit our online shop at nknews.org backslash shop to see the very latest and attractive art prints, posters, and books that we have on offer there. The recently released North Korea Leadership Organogram poster is really an excellent and attractive resource. Now, to introduce my guest today, Michael Takeuchi has a very full resume. I cannot fully do justice to it, and it would take me more than an hour to read all of it, but I can say that she spent five years from April 2016 to April 2021 as a member of the United Nations Panel of Experts established pursuant to Resolution 1874, passed in 2009, where she monitored and analyzed the current situation of the nuclear program of and implementation of UN sanctions towards North Korea. She also authored the panel's biannual reports on findings and recommendations to the Security Council, led 80 investigations of the DPRK's illicit activities in third countries, and made 40 40 presentations on North Korea's weapons of mass destruction development and the UN's North Korea sanctions to diplomats and government officials. Michael has also published some papers on those topics. Welcome on the podcast today, Michael, and thanks for your time. Thank you, Jacko, for this opportunity. I'm really honored to be here today. Uh, The honor is all ours. Now, I think we we have to begin at the beginning. On NK News, uh, we know that twice a year, the UN's panel of experts on Resolution 1874 writes reports about UN sanctions on North Korea and North Korea's efforts to deal with those sanctions in its own way. First of all, tell us about United Nations Resolution 1874. What does it do and what areas does it cover? Sure, of course. Um, UN Security Council Resolution 1874 was adopted in 2009 following North Korea's second nuclear test. So this resolution 1874 is the second new North Korean sanction resolution following resolution 1718 in 2006. So resolution 1874, you know, further tightened arms trade to and from North Korea. And also in this resolution, newly financial measures and the cargo inspect measures are adopted. Mm. And that's cargo inspection to make sure that things don't go to or from North Korea that shouldn't go there under the sanctions. Is that right? Right, right. Exactly. That's to ensure the embargo to and from North Korea. Now, what is the panel of experts and who are its members? So, um, So along with these uh, new measures in the resolution uh, resolution 1874 also established the panel of experts mm-hmm. to assist the sanctions committee. That's uh, the sanction committee means the North Korean sanctions committee mm-hmm. in the security in the UN Security Council. Yeah. So they are when originally established, they were seven members on the panel, 
And then the number of the panel was later increased in 2013, first one to resolution 2094. So it's a good question, who are its members? So it's not written in the resolutions, but uh, until recently, the panel members are like a published. So the members are from permanent members of the Security Council, so namely United States, France, United Kingdom, and Russia and China. Mm -hmm. So P5. Yes, for, for P5 member, from P5 member countries, and also from Japan, South Korea, and uh, one from so-called regional South in the uh, in the UN Jergo. That's so in any other country are mm -hmm. uh, all like uh, the members. So by the way, here I'm using North Korea and South Korea. I, I do want to respect all the country's original names, but uh -huh. uh, here just for the, the purpose, to, it's like a podcast. So yeah. to make people easy to understand. So allow me to use North Korea and South Korea. Here. Sure. So the question is, so panel is supporting the North Korean Sanction Committee. So what's this Sanctions Committee? And so Sanctions Committee, uh, Sanction Committee was the body of representative of the Security Council member countries. So they, are, they consist of the diplomats then solely make decisions on North Korean sanction issues. Mm -hmm. And then of course, like uh, this, this Sanction committee itself is not does not have arms to or people to monitor. So to assist this sanction uh, committee, uh, the expert panel work for them and collecting and analyzing information on violations of sanction mm -hmm. and uh, and make recommendation on the designations of the entities and the individuals or even vessels and also what's the better way to further improve the implementation of the resolutions mm -hmm. and and as you know the panel submits report biannual reports to the security council yes and now is the panel active all year round i mean is it effectively a, a full-time mission yes so the panel is like um, some, I understand, and some of the UN panels are home-based, but uh, this particular North Korean panel is New York-based panel and mm -hmm. full-time obligation. Uh -huh. So you say that its mission is basically to serve the, um, the committee, the sanctions, North Korea Sanctions Committee, uh, by acting as its uh, investigative arm, its research arm. Exactly. Now, you served on that panel for five years. Um, frankly yes. speaking, how effective and how efficient is the panel of experts? Sure. Um, so I served from 2016 to 2021. So it's a really interesting period yeah. to see the, the height of tension and then dialogue made you know, mode, dialogue mode in 2018, and then COVID pandemics, you know, since 2020. So frankly speaking, the panel has limitations. For example, unlike other United Nations monitoring panels, the North Korean panel does not visit North Korea. Ah, uh, it doesn't visit North Korea. Okay, it does important. not visit uh, right. North Korea. And the panel always needs the official invitation from the host country or host organization to visit. Mm -hmm. So, so that's a one limitation right. for the panel's, you know, action. And also, so sometimes the the impact of the report is limited because if the committee or member states take taking action, then of course that works, but without having this, uh, act, the actual action, especially by the sanctions committee, security yep. council, or even member states, then, you know, the panels, even the panels reporting who would just having a limited um, the results 
So that's my impression. Mm. Okay, so the results are, can be somewhat limited by the, the circumstances. Exactly. Like, for example, the panel has been recommending individuals, entities, and vessels that have been involved in the sanctions violation violations. Okay, in so the for example, report. North Korean companies, uh, North Korean trading companies, or a North Korean ship. Of course, of course, right. and also the all the entities of the third countries. Ah, okay. So it could be Chinese companies who trade with North Korea, for example. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Any country could yeah. be involved in. So, however, it is the sanction committee yeah. or the Security Council to designate the entities or companies or vessels. Yes. And then what happened to, since 2018, like uh, October, like no designation, the like substantial designation has been decided. Ah. So, yeah. So, of course, I appreciate all the readers of the report because we put all the information, the latest findings in the report and hoping that would help all the like-minded people mm -hmm. try to be up, try to avoid to be get involved in this any uh, non-compliance incident. Right. And and of course, naming of the company, naming of the individual could directly impact to the activities sure. of the companies and individuals. However, without the designations, official UN designations, in many cases, you know, the named company just can survive. That sometimes I feel very frustrated to see like, oh, so they're, you know, like sometimes they continue business, like say, so that's my frustration. And yeah. like, I, but I also understand if you are the government, practitioner like me previously mm -hmm. I worked for Japanese government yep. and then I get you cannot just it's difficult for any government official to take official action only based on their panels reporting but uh, like you might need more an official documents from the or authority authority from the United Nations itself like, right. so now these companies are designated so our country have to, you know, take action to these entities or individual. So that you might need uh, such an um, official endorsement to initiate administrative action in the bureaucracy of any country. So that's, I think, is the limit of the panel's action. Mm. Now, as part of your job, uh, you led investigations uh, into the illicit activities by North Korea in third countries. Uh, and I'd like to know a little bit about how that works. Can you perhaps tell us about the process of an investigation, maybe by using a real example to make it concrete to our listeners? Ah, so, Jaco, thank you so much. Mm. And uh, before jumping into that question, okay. I also want to just mention quickly, so, but I, I'm not so like a pessimistic about what the panel's job, maybe, yeah. So uh, maybe before going to your second question, maybe I can, mm. can I add something? Sure. Uh, it's after, okay. So, uh, so having said that, the comparing to other UN monitoring bodies, the North Korean panel also received resources from UN system, like a budget and satellite imagery, mm. and as well as the attention and cooperation from the like-minded countries and research institutes all over the world. So like furthermore, the level of the panel's investigation is great, generally very high. So, and panel, like a North Korean panel actually like keep on evolving, that's my impression. So you can see that the, when first panel started, the report was more fo rather focusing on the record of what other countries reporting to the panel, that's as a beginning. And then, but now, like, as you can see, the panel's investigation, you know, like covers all the cases and analysis on the North Korea's nuclear and ballistic missiles development. That, mm -hmm. So I, I personally think all this 
the panel's report's contents are like, like it's significantly like good quality. Yeah, that's my impression. So let me go back to your question. Okay. About yeah, about the you know like how the panel actually conducts the investigation. Yeah. So the investigations were usually triggered by um, either member state information or public media reports, including, of course, NK News mm. I, and all, all other open source information, such as government statement or even like other organization report. And also sometimes the individuals or teams or organization just announce something itself. For example, when they, you know, like a North Korean saga player moved to one country to another country or one team to another team, you know, they could, the information just can pop up in their own official announcement. So the panel is always using all the, all the res available resources to be a hook of the investigation. Right. So let me describe the based on the actual case. Yes. For example, like 2018, Hoka was seized at the port of a country during the transshipping process. Sorry, uh, so, what was what was seized? Oh, uh, the Belarusian vodka, Vo vodka. The oh, alcohol. vodka. Okay, Belarusian vodka. vodka. All right. So the, the alcoholic beverage. Yeah. Yes, alcohol beverage. So the the country seized the shipment based on its own intelligence about the final destination mm. that should be going to actually go to North Korea. Right. Okay. So the, the country sees the, the vodka and report to the panel. They get share the information, some of the information. Mm -hmm. but then, so what happened there? So the panel first approached to the, the Bel Belarusian producer of the vodka. Usually, you know, if you find some like an item goods, first place the panel should reach is the, the producer, of course. Right. That's and then the case, like we got the copy of the contracts and payment, like a record. So such documents are gold for the panel. Mm. So the panel checks the the email and names of the listed party on the the contract documents, then we found that uh, the buyer on the contract was a, a Hong Kong-based company. Ah. But the payer was a Singaporean company. Right. So, so then uh, the panel researched to this, of course, Hong Kong company and also the Singaporean company using Oh, mainly open source information, company registry, mm -hmm. Facebook, LinkedIn. Yep. And then, then we found that uh, the Singaporean company is actually a human resource company ah. in a, in a, on the payment document. So like, say the, 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 the company shares address with like seven other company of the same owner, but not, doesn't look seem like nothing related to this particular food industry or export mm -hmm. of this particular vodka uh, trade. Yeah. So that's one like an alarming red flag for us, right? Sure. And then, yeah. So on the other hand, the Hong Kong buyers company, the Hong Kong company registry, also suggests lots of like multiple red flag information such as Oh, frequent change of the company's physical address mm. or management is also changing like almost like less than every year. Like, whoa, 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 what's happening there? Yeah. So it's partially, of course, like a, the panel has certain method of investigation, but also all the gut feeling of the each panel members based on their own past experience matters a lot. Right. Um, so, like uh, after conducting all the the basic research, the panel approached to the buyer and payer of the contract. Mm -hmm. Why? There's uh, two reasons. One, of course, the panel wants request information to them. Like, so can so did you know this transaction? Did you make it? And you know, so when and how? 
But also at the same time, panel always has to give them the opportunity to reply to the panel sure. by, by letter. So in their letter, the panel always specify what's the allegation, which particular paragraph of the resolution could be violated, and what information the panel has obtained. So, you know, so then and it's up to the, the recipient. So what 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 else they want to say or they deny everything, it's it's up to them. Yeah. So but uh, it's always important to have the you know, keep this transparent uh, procedure. Mm. And then this particular case, they ended up the Singaporean payer reply that, oh, he did not know anything about the, the seller who actually paid for, like he actually paid for her, but, oh, I don't know anything about her. Mm. Okay. And uh, like in that case, like that's how we, kind of interact with the, the people and Hong Kong company didn't reply. So no. it's all about the such kind of active interaction with the, the individual or the company in charge. And sometimes they they give us lots of information. Sometimes they just keep silent. Yeah. So yeah, that's how it goes. And did any of those companies end up on the list of designated entities? No, but uh, these names are on the report. Mm-hmm. But uh, these particular cases, it's not elevated to the level of designation by the this, the committee or security council level. I see. Okay, so it doesn't always go up to that level. Exactly. Right. So I think such official designation is more suitable for the the serious violence or like or like repetitive yep. you know the violator mm. or it depends on the the cases and also these designations are always peer reviewed among the panel yeah so yeah so that that's a so it, so again it's not always even like a named in the panel does not always mean that should be designated by the united you know nations level. right Sometimes they are just unwittingly involved in the case. Sometimes, you know, like the case is still ongoing or like, so there are so many reasons to set this criteria. Now, I'm curious, during your time at the United Nations in New York, did you ever have any encounters or confrontations with North Korean diplomats? Ah, interesting question. (laughs) Yeah, um... I usually like. I know there is North Korean mission to the United Nations mm. in New York, yeah. so I know where they are, and sometimes I I see, you know, they're commuting to the to the United Nations, and sometimes they even come to the 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 meeting if invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I remember sometimes they they attend as a member state. To the meetings so but i i just tend to avoid you know like uh, really interact with them not because like not because i afraid of them but i i rather i'm concerned about make them into get trouble if they are seen talking with mm. a japanese sanctioned panel member mm from like an originally she's even like a defense ministry of officials like it, so right. just to to keep them safe i i kind of i was very cautious about interaction with north koreans yeah. in in new york but in 2018 there's a like a global peace forum on north korea that's held in new york and mm-hmm. Even members are invited, so the invitation was even came to me. So then, okay, so I attended this the event. Yeah. Uh, there, North Korean mission diplomats are also attending. Where I was, where I was attending, and one made a speech, and then after this, all the the speeches by the representative of South Korea and North Korea. Uh, during the intermission, I found like, a North Korean diplomat. He's a he was a 
counselor, I, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So higher rank, but not high as minister or ambassador. But uh, but he was a rock star. Everyone approached to him, ah. and he was really smiling and taking picture. But mm. remember, it's like a 2018 yes. fall time, so it's like a you know the atmosphere is totally different right from 2017 so he's a rock star so i also came up and i greeted in korean uh-huh. i mean north korean way yeah. and then and then he was just smiling but uh stepping back yeah and without saying anything and uh, so this was my first time to see the real a diplomatic dance yeah you know it's like usually diplomatic dances as you know for the meeting and but actually in this case it's like a really like he yeah keep on smiling but like a, he kind of when i kind of want to be closer or want to talk but yeah. he just stepping back stepping back so like, okay okay ah uh, so he moved that's away it. so yeah, yeah. So like that's that's the only interesting encountering, and mm. I fully understand all the situation. And as a diplomat, do so you think he knew who you were? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Either he quick, he has a sharp eye to yeah. read my name, or he already know my face, right. recognized. But but uh, I fully understand his professionalism, and you know, so. That's that's an interesting um, encounter right. with a North Korean diplomat. Now, could you tell us how the North Korean delegation officially responded each time your panel released a report? Did they ignore it, or did they issue a, a blanket a boilerplate dismissal, or or did they do any kind of point by point rebuttal? So, if I remember correctly, as they do not admit the pan, the UN monitoring panel officially they do not always respond to the report Mm. but for example 2019 shortly after the media report about the panel's report as always at the all the panel's report contents are you know like pop like reported before the official publication so they that the media report several media reports contained the issue of the North Korean cyber attack. Mm-hmm. And then uh, KCNA, the, that is a North Korean national media, yeah. criticized such attributions, but of, without stating the, the report itself. Ah. And, and also, I remember in 2017 or so, the North Korean national, like a deputy chief of mission, like a, of the UN, to the UN in New York, Ambassador Kim Min Yong. I think they, they also deny the North Korea's cyber attack. Mm-hmm. So they do not always give us the whole comment, but occasionally, you know, they try to counter-argue, but try not to violate the, the line of, like, we don't even, you know, admit this panel, you right. know, authority of the panel. So, yeah, so that's, that's what's happening usually. Now, when we talk about um, North Korea's nuclear program uh, and nuclear and missile testing, Japan is in a very special position because it's geographically very close to North Korea, and Japan has been a direct target of North Korean threats of possible military strike. Uh, And of course, Japan still has no diplomatic relations with North Korea. So on the panel of experts, I think that Japan has a special role, but also a special position as a, both a potential victim and a traditional enemy uh, of North Korea. Can right. you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, it's always interesting to see the love slash hate sentiment to Japan among North Korean, as it's often reported by NK News, like North Korean people love Japanese products, like they love beverage, you know, and there's, and then they love Japanese snacks, and then, and including the famous Lexus, for example, the, the Kim Jong-un's car. And at the yeah. same time, Japan could be the first, first target of the missile. Yeah. Like, so, so, um, so this as it's same time, I think it's 
very fortunate for Japan that this North Korean nuclear and mis the ballistic missile issues are actually subject to the UN sanction. Mm. So, and it's like a for South Korea too, but it's so, you know, like a whatever situation has changed, like, but it constantly get attention from the international community and Japan can claim fully like that, hey, full implementation is still of sanctions are still important as they are binding obligation for the UN, all the UN member states. So, so if it's uh, considered as a regional issue, then like, uh, this issue could not get be treated like like this now. Mm-hmm. So once I start working in the United Nations and see lots of other serious cases, you know, that are not treated as the North Korean issues, I really, now I really feel the, the importance of this UN resolution and meaning that really strengthened the position of Japan, especially like to, because basically this is my personal opinion, mm. but as a, as a Japanese who already got the two, two atomic bombs, like I really have the, aside from all the job obligation or academic interest, I don't want to see any other nuclear states newly emerge, mm. in, especially in the, in any area, but of course, like in East Asia. Yeah. So aside from all these professional uh, interest, I also feel like this uh, North Korean issue is real serious issue, like for the world. Yeah. And it was fortunate for Japan and like uh, that this issue was actually handled by the United Nations, mm. United Nations Security Council issue. Now, at the same time, uh, experts on the panel are supposed to be independent and not representatives of their governments or even their countries. Now, uh, as you of mentioned course. before, you uh, previously uh, were a, uh, um, a civilian uh, inside the Ministry of Defense uh, of Japan. So how hard was exactly. it for you to be independent and not to represent Japan's interests? Ah, well... It's not so difficult for me, uh-huh. honestly, but uh, yeah, uh, because like in my case, I to to get this position, I even really quitted the, the government. Mm. So so I'm totally trying to be separated from Japanese government. Once I get this position with this mandate and responsibility, I, I just thought as a one um, I well this is just my a in individual's idea but the belief but uh, I should be really independent to you know work on this particular the panel mm-hmm. especially this is as you said it's clearly related to you know Jap- could be related to Japanese issue and so so my my case I took that po- already took the step to be away from government yeah. But at the same time, I appreciate all the supports given by former colleagues in Japanese government that try to support the panel through me as a just a, a members, like-minded member states, mm-hmm. not for me. Or, but uh, having good network, keeping good relationship with Japanese former colleagues really helped me to conduct some of the investigations, mm. but also... I always be really impartial from Japan's interest. So I always, always, when there's a, say there are of course cases related to Japan. And of course, you know, the panel member expect me to work on this at least because the Japanese capability might be needed. Yeah. Of course, or like a knowledge on Japan always help the investigation. But uh, what I I always do is always I I team up with other members of the you know who has the expertise on the issue. Mm-hmm. So that makes sure my investigation or my support to the other expert member can be always impartial or you know always peer reviewed by someone else. Right. So I cannot just ignore the cases or intentionally 
you know, work for the Japanese government, then other body would say, hey, Michael, you know, you know, you, you can say that, or you can yeah. say that. Yeah. So that's how, so one side, I appreciate the Japanese government, like the former colleagues, we're working together shoulder to shoulder on this particular issues. But at the same time, I always draw the line to this, like, hey, you know, I, I'm not, you know, your representative. Right. So. Now, I want to talk about the uh, the twice annual reports um, that the panel writes. And I found the most yeah. recent report dated 4th of March 2021 on the NK Pro website. And uh, it's very long. It's uh, a 419-page PDF document. Uh, the first, uh, the report itself is only the first 61 pages uh, made up of eight chapters, uh, the last one being recommendations. And after that, you've got more than 300 pages of annexes. <laughs> and those annexes contain lots of photos and details that didn't fit into the 61-page report. Uh, now, this report, it doesn't actually mention the name of any authors, but you were still working at the panel when this report was released. So can you tell us, did you work on the 4th of March report? Yes, I, I did. Yeah. I did. And uh, and uh, especially the time I'm one of the the most senior member, like uh, the longest mm. term there in a panel. So I, I covered areas including like not only nuclear issues or joint work with the WMD issues, but also labor's embargoes and fishing rights and oh, yeah. so on. So and also I try to share my, you know, my memory, my experience to the other members. Mm -hmm. so that, that, that's what I, I did. And uh, you're right, uh, the, the annex has plenty of information. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very detailed, lots of photos. Now, is it difficult yeah. to get all the, the members of the panel to agree to the contents of these reports? Does, for example, does any, con does any of the, the contents get taken out or, uh, or smoothed or softened somehow before the final publication? Oh, <laughs> well, the simple answer is yes. There are so many reasons. Mm -hmm. So first of all, like also it's related to the why the report itself is only 61 pages because simply we have a word count limit. So that's, ah. so that's one reason like you have to cut the, some contents and from the, the main body. Yeah. But also, of course, there are sometimes like each panel member has different opinion, different value, different standpoints. So what happened is usually each cases has cert certain members who conduct the, the investigation of each cases. And that the panel member write the draft. Yeah. But of course, it's all the reports are peer reviewed among the panel members, but only the panel members. So, of course, the, these processes, it's naturally some information are taken out or some, like some information, like some sentence got smooth or that, that process softened as long as it doesn't, you know, if agreed by the, the main author. So, these are the that the process is always happening during this report writing season. Right. Now you're you're writing it for the uh, the committee, the, the sanctions committee. That's the main audience, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but it's also made public, so technically anybody can read it. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Uh, and generally speaking, did you find in your five years there that the reports have uh, effect on the committee? And on the uh, the Security Council, yes, uh, I think it the panel, the, of course, panels report has good effect, and uh, that's as you. So it's not always uh, reflected in the in the recommend designation recommendation in the resolution, yeah. for example, but still. Of course, some cases are uh, some some individuals are taken from like a, the panel's recommendation was actually taken. Another example is like the use of HS code. The panel considered that that's uh, that just listing the 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 item. Sometimes maybe just have the allow the broadened interpretation or 
inconsistency among the countries. So the panel has been like recommending several times the use of the HS code in the in the resolution so that the you know like all the country has basic idea which item should be covered in the resolution. And such recommendations are actually like a so the elements are used in the report. So I think the the panel's recommendation or panel's report is a what works for the so actually contribute to the decision making in the Security Council or the sanctions committee. And also the there are so many other readers in each countries and they studied about the you know there's a weather risk what's happening in North Korea so in that sense uh, the panel's report is assisting any member countries like all the countries so these are the contributions made by the panel mm -hmm. to the committee's work now let's talk a bit about the uh, the forthcoming report i mean as you said before it's sure. uh, it comes out twice a year uh, the last report that came out was in March this year, so there should be a new report available already, but it's been held up. Uh, do you have any ideas? I know you don't work there anymore, but do you have any ideas why it's not been published yet? Ah, so the report draft due dates are decided in the resolution. Mm. So each year they set the, when they uh, renew the mandate, the, the already the the Security Council resolution has the report due date, yep. so the due date is absolute deadline. Mm. If the panel failed to submit the report first to the committee, in and then uh, after a discussion, the the report is submitted to the Security Council. As I said, like one month about one month later of the first submission to the sanctions committee yep. and then so if we do not the panel did not do that's a violation of this resolution oh. so we should designate ourselves like right the, you're in you're you know, in, in or, or, or your former employer is in violation yes <laughs> exactly so so that, that's no 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 but what happened is so what happened is usually the the report should be translated to or the official language mm -hmm. of the United Nations. Right. So that, that process takes time. So that, and that's also related to the why the panel report always have the word limit mm -hmm. because that's a, mm -hmm. there, the panel reports should be processed by several divisions in the United Nations. Right. So to deal with all the bureaucracy, the panel's report has word count and also the panel's report should be translated, then translation takes time. I think that's uh, usually what happened until during when I was there, you know, so that's uh, the process of the, the time lag, the reason time lag between the official submission that's already mm -hmm. clearly stated in the resolution and uh, like a pub surprise publication on the, on our website, it could happening even today when no, nobody knows. Right. Yeah. And then between our, our recording and and the uh, release of this podcast, it could be published. Yeah. Uh, but yes. there, there are reports, yeah. for example, in the uh, Washington, yeah. uh, so Wall Street Journal this week uh, reports that uh, yeah. that China is holding up uh, the publication, signalling a reluctance to enforce or investigate sanctions violations by. North Korea. Did you experience or witness that during your time on the panel of experts? Um, so what I uh, experienced was like, if the Wall Street Journal's focus is about like the Chinese actually holding back the publication, it's a kind of new phenomenon. Mm. Like that before, yes, I remember it's like, for example, 2007, 11, the, the panel could not submit the report yeah. by like lacking one member of the panel, but that's like a, still the panel's issue, not the member state's official mm -hmm. position to that. And then uh, there's, there's a one year during my term, the report wasn't 
pub also published uh, because there's you cannot the the committee could not agree with the publication issue that happened so it could possible because the report is basically for the uh to it's in the property of the Security Council and then it's submitted to the Security Council. So Security Council or it's, it's, it's not written in any resolution that the panel's reports should be publicized. Uh -huh. So it's it's actually up to the, the member, like the Security Council or committee to decide what to do with the, the, the actual report. And speak, having said that, course like maybe that could happen i do not have particular information about what's exactly yep. happening in the panel yeah but uh yeah all, all the situation could be possible yeah <laughs> now as often happens uh, with these reports uh, before the actual formal publication a draft version has already been leaked and seen by yeah. journalists from nk <laughs> news and the wall street journal um now, unfortunately, you haven't been able to read the draft, but uh, some of my colleagues at NK Pro have looked at a draft copy and they've written articles about what is expected to appear in the next report. And I shared some of those articles from NK Pro with you. So yeah. would you like to comment on what you saw in them? Was there anything new, anything surprising? Uh, so, yeah, sure. So first of all, I really kind of feel frustrated about this, all the leak and the I, I, of course, it's up to the Security Council, but also it's it's always unfortunate that the, there's a huge time yeah. lag between the official, like a submission to the official publication. And during that time, there's a the media article because it cannot be authorized or endorsed, but the panel cannot officially say yes or no, or any member states can officially say yes or no, this is correct or not. So the before the, the actual publication, all the appetites of the, the readers are taken by all these yeah. media articles. And then that that's really degrade the value of the right. actual final right. report. So I really hope every time I feel like, oh, if it's more like a technical issue, like a bureaucracy or like that, I feel so yeah. frustrated. Like say if you are if you are any um organizations. And they say, okay, you want to publish or you are media, so you want to publish this report in the timing of the, you know, the, the important yeah. date. Or like, okay, this is the anniversary of, you know, like a this conference or meeting. And then, then of course, you have or you made all the effort to make it possible to publicize so that get uh, correct attention. And like at the UN, because of the bureaucracy, the, the panel is always missing this strong, you know, presentation uh. of the panel report. Uh, you know, and then and then once because they the all the readers already keep on reading this yeah. article for two yeah. months. And once the report comes, it's not a news anymore. The media doesn't want to report right. anymore. So that's that's unfortunate. Okay. So let me go back to the the like go back to the yeah. point so um so i feel the my impression of the the upcoming report is like they try to follow the path of the the last panel's effort so they most likely they will cover all the issues including luxury goods issue nuclear and ballistic uh, development and of course maritime cases and fishing rights and and also an so unintended impact of the sanction also covered probably many of the media has the summary first and like reported first so i think that that sense they cover pretty much what the the former panel they do not miss mm -hmm. much i hope and also, the particular it's interesting to see the luxury car cases, because this time, say the Lexus case, if the according to the NK News Pro information, it was uh, like a via like a Chinese, you know, intermediary like a shipment was happened, or so, or and the Mercedes Benz were also uh, transshipped 
uh, the Hong Kong company could be related to this shipment. So this is important uh, information yeah. to follow. So uh, instead of just, oh, we we saw the, the car in the KCNA media. But, so it's, it's a great success, I want to say. And also they they also mentioned about the the continuation of nuclear and missile program. And it's my concern because if the North Korea is using this quiet time in the diplomacy, nobody will take decisive action yeah. to North Korean issue. And this momentum is fully used by North Korea now, and then they're continuing their program. So that, so actually this is my time, like I, so once the North Korea's nuclear and missile issue was put in the last of the report once, but I kind of pull it back to the, the beginning of the, the report, it's because it's, it was why this uh, sanction regime is established. It's to deal with North Korea's right. programs and missile, ballistic missile program. So I'm really happy with their statement about nuclear issues development and the analysis of the ballistic missile uh, pro programs. And I really can't see the older, older report. And one thing I kind of am concerned is like they don't, there's no information about what happened to the mm. North Korean overseas Because they were all labors. supposed to return to North Korea by the yeah. end of, uh, I don't know, was it the end of 2018 or something? I mean, a couple of years ago now. Uh, 20, yeah, 19. exactly, 2019, end of 2019. And of course, like, uh, so according to a media, the panel says they are still overseas mm. work, North Korean workers, but, uh, there's no particularly particular news yeah. media article about that part, and of course, like that could be could mean you know maybe they just overlook the issue or you know like a so I'm I'm really anxious to what exactly the mm. panel continue to find during this period on the overseas <sighs> labor issue, and also another issue is about the the panel is working on the mm -hmm. overseas technology exchange. And uh, yeah, so there are so many projects the panel does to check the, the uh, on the, especially the, the North Korea's official publication on the, the technology that could be used for uh, WMD or missile product or any military purpose, but look like like they label as a civilian, you know, civil engineers mm. or, you know, mining, but so, or even like nuclear issues, nuclear technology itself. So there, say for example, the panel is asking uh, inquiry to the university that was listed in the Kim huh? Il-sung University website. It's uh, one of the most prestigious university. Uh, they say, oh, we have networking with these, these universities. Uh, so like, sure. So then what happening to your universities? And then they, we didn't get the, all the, we haven't get the, all the replies and then the last report. So this part or like any other updates on the technology transfer or that, that side I'm mm. kind of interested in aside from all other important issues like maritime or cyber or, you know, yeah. luxury goods items. So you mentioned so, earlier that since 2018, no new entity has been designated by the, uh, by the sanctions committee as being right. in consistent or flagrant breach of, of sanctions. Uh, do you imagine that with right. the, uh, or do you, do you expect that with the publication of the next report, uh, that there might be some new designations added hmm. to the list? Hmm. Unfortunately, I I don't I I'm not so hmm. like a positive about the actions. So because partially because the any designation can be triggered in the timing of the new resolution, or 
they can just agree with uh, the Security Council or even a committee, sanctions committee, that, as, as I said, body of the same member of the country, same mm-hmm. as the Security Council members. If once this committee agrees, they can uh, designate, designate without having new, you know, Security Council resolution that's also like bloodshed events like to all the negotiation. So, but however, the decision-making process of the sanctions committee is like a unilateral. So any country has objection, the uh, sanctions committee cannot take action or designation. So that means like if the, and unless there's a new big uh, event happening, like otherwise it's, like a no trick, like no other visible trigger to push either Security Council or uh, Sanctions Committee just for the designation is happening. That since, although the panel keep on recommending the the entities yeah. and individuals, the vessels, maybe difficult to issue new uh, designation. It's also true that uh, even the last report, me and other some members recommend new listing of the prohibited item to be uh, to be yes. exported to North Korea because the, these items could be used for nuclear programs, and it's of course they have all the civil use that so that items which has civil use and could be military application is usually yeah, called dual use items. Dual yeah. use items. Yeah. So but uh you know so far there's no mm. particular new listings or new listers coming coming up. So that means it's of course I have no information about what's exactly happening in the the Security Council or among the member states. But yeah I or un, unless there's any events to trigger, take the new actions, you know, so it's maybe a little bit, I, mm. I don't see any particular good news about the designation. Now, I, I want to finish uh, our interview today on a very important question. Uh, you said earlier in our discussion that uh, the, the issue of nuclear weapons is, uh, it's a very important and, and personal issue to you because, you know, you don't want to see other uh, new uh, countries are, are becoming nuclear powers, especially in East Asia. Um, so I, I guess my question is, how hopeful yes. are you uh, about sanctions leading eventually to North Korea's denuclearization? So I'm not hopeful about, like, a, it's not about hoping, but when I see the actual impact of the mm-hmm especially the embargo, then uh, the the North Korea's like export was really about like one tenth. It's only seen now, of course, it, it, it's only the based on the official uh, numbers, official statistics, uh, mm. official data statistics. But uh, based on that, I think the affecting the revenue. And that's why North Korea is also trying to circumvent using, you know, like a illicit shipment of the coal using the maritime, like a vessels or, you know, other way to circ- like a procurement of the dual use items can be used for the military item. So that, so based on the, the statistics, and also their, their, mm-hmm. their active circumvention that suggests these sanctions are actually working. So it's, so I, I am not hoping, but simply I think based on the data, the sanction is working. But of course, sanction is one of the tool. It's not the itself, it's the, it, well, only sanction can work, and 
as a resolution actually state states uh, resolution actually state the sanction is a tool to promote the urge North Korea to stop these prohibited activities, in, especially the nuclear and ballistic missile program, and encourage them to, you know, sit down for the, the diplomatic meetings. So the sanction is a tool to promote the diplomatic effort or United Nations mm -hmm. Security Council's effort to, to solve this issue. So since I, I believe it's working, and at the same time, I really try to warn the, the argument that, hey, uh, North Korea is still producing missile or continuing the, the yeah. nuclear program, uh, and despite of the tighter sanction, so maybe it's the sanction is not working. And instead, like a look, like sanction is actually, you know, causing mm. like a civilian impact. Hey, you have to be very careful about this argument. First of all, like, so, yeah, of course, North Korea is like, a, just for, concentrate all the resources, sacrificing all the civilians to continue their nuclear program or ballistic missile program showing the missile tests like you know recent tests so they get so the world cannot interpret it the, the opposite way oh because they are doing the sanction is not working yes actually sanction is working that's why they are trying to do the second bit without sanction the process is much faster that they they take whatever they want to do and they they continue and they they're nuclear and ballistic missiles are much faster, but because of the sanction, it, it's actually like slowed down and make a room mm -hmm. for the diplomatic negotiation that's, you know, like same as 2018. And at the same time, sanction does not uh, restrict the import of like a food, import of medicine. So that means like even in a catch-all provision of the adopted in 2016 at this resolution to do 70, they exclude this certain mm. uh, items like a food and medicine. So that means, and I, I just brought up the issue of the HS code. So some people discuss, oh, because they now the import of the metal was uh, prohibited. So they cannot import them like a needle of the Oh like, yeah, like a shot. Yeah, syringes, like a, medical syringes, medical, mm -hmm. medical syringes. Like, uh, no, first of all, this is why another reason why HS code important is H in the HS code, the medical equipment are fall in the other category than the designated category in the resolution. So, the technically, legally, medical equipment does not fall under this blanket mm. ban of metal or anything. And number two, of course, there's another provision to be a truck like, a, but but uh, and number two, in a data suggest, a trade statistic actually does suggest that they're, they're importing medical equipment and medicines. So once, when you start discussing about efficiency or effect of the uh, sanction, you really have to brought into all the, the data and the language, the precise understanding of the resolution is a key to really mm -hmm. evaluate. And so then having said that, and so again, I believe the sanction is working and I worked for this, not only just this UN sanction, but before as a defense official, I also worked for the, security trade control and also like intelligence on the North Korea's issue. So I've working this issue for a long time, like, mm. like a two decades of work. And uh, of course, I also very humble that look, all my effort, all my work, I did my best, but still the result, like uh, it's mm -hmm. the judgment by the history. I cannot really tell what happened. Like, so it's, but now, my hope now i use the word hope is like end of the day the this nuclear issue is solved yeah. in a diplomatic manner also 
although I am sometimes very pessimistic about the, 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 this current trend is going because there's, if you are North Korea, you already devote lots of time and resources and yeah, energy, everything to this program. So what would you do? And then also they, they also say what happened to, you know, yeah. several countries who gave up not nuclear so so i understand their concern they're also their their way to go but all the international society should work together to to this issue and i i, I hope eventually this this issue is solved in a diplomatic manner Okay, well, that's where we're going to have to finish uh, for today. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast, Michael Takeuchi. We appreciate your time and expertise. Now, of course, of course. And a, a, a footnote here to our listeners, uh, HS codes that uh, Michael referred to a number of times, uh, that is the harmonized system, which is a standardized numerical method of classifying traded products, which is a, uh, uh, this HS code system is used by customs authorities around the world to identify products when assessing duties and taxes and for gathering statistics about what kind of products are traded. So uh, very important there. Okay, that brings us yeah, to the end of this so podcast. Much. Oh, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's important to explain it. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you already have an NK News account, and if you're a think tank, business or academic institution, take a look at NK Pro. Our NK Pro platform offers unparalleled services specifically catered to the needs of professionals who monitor developments on the Korean Peninsula. You can inquire about access to NK Pro at membership at nknews.org today. And listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and help us achieve my own personal dream of reaching 10% of the viewership of the Joe Rogan podcast. Also, if you have any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations, please send them to us at podcast at nknews.org. Our thanks, as always, go to Arius Dare and Brian Betts for facilitating this podcast, and to Gabby Magnuson, who is our post-recording producer genius. Thanks, and listen again next time. <laughs>